In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Happy New Year. Today marks the start of my third year at Trinity Cathedral. I have to start by thanking all of you who are here for who you are and the type of community that we're creating together. This new year will take us on many journeys. If I look back even at just the things that have taken place over the last six weeks, I'm absolutely amazed at the vitality and the depth and the spiritual commitment to loving God with all our hearts and to love our neighbors and actually see the presence of Christ in all people that we encounter. I could spend all my time this morning just thanking you, but there is so much more to talk about. The Christmas season is drawing to a close. Gifts have been given. I'm guessing some have been returned. Everyone has had their fill of cookies, eggnog, turkey, prime rib, and has probably, as the Bible reading said something about priests being filled with fatness, probably we've all in some ways contracted not only a stomach ache, but also contracted with a gym somewhere to start shedding the excess and starting to return to something more balanced. In fact, so many of our New Year's resolutions always seem to help people strive for more balance in their life, either uh, health-wise, spiritually, physically, financially, and so on. The extreme measures we all go to in December have to recalibrate. They have to rebalance. They have to become more realistic for for it to sustain us for the entire year. After all, if it was Christmas time all along, all year round, could we really survive it? And if Christmas were really celebrated, using the readings that we have for today, especially in the gospel reading, if Christmas were really celebrated using the gospel reading we have for today, would we celebrate it at all? What a story! Yes, we're not hearing from Luke's gospel with the shepherds in the manger in Bethlehem. And even Matthew's telling of Jesus' birth, which is the other account that we know of, that we have recorded. Matthew's record of telling Jesus' birth is also a relatively tranquil scene with visitors from the east that bring gifts. And we'll hear that reading on the Feast of the Epiphany on January the 6th. So today... Instead of some type of relatively peaceful scene of adoring visitors, we have the baby Jesus with his parents, homeless, and on the run. Not going anywhere, but actually going to the land that the people of Israel for centuries despised. The land of slavery, of pharaohs. Egypt. The baby Jesus, instead of being wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, is now a refugee, fleeing for his life. Just born, and now plunged 
into a world that has no security. He has no real identity as a people. He's plunged into chaos. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. Out in no man's land. A place now we'd probably call the Gaza Strip. Fleeing tyranny. And seeking shelter in a despised land. Praying for safety. Notice the main driver in this account is an angel. Matthew calls it the angel of the Lord. In some way, God sends word to Joseph that his family has to flee. And then he sends word again when it's safe to go back. But there's another twist. If you had no previous knowledge of the Christmas story that you hear every year from Luke's gospel, no knowledge of the shepherds or even that trip that Joseph and Mary make from Nazareth to Bethlehem, you might be like St. Matthew today who wrote in this account that the Holy Family had intended to go back to Bethlehem of Judea. Notice that? Prior to the end of this passage where Nazareth is mentioned, guess what? Matthew's never mentioned it before. Matthew uses this then to explain that Jesus' family couldn't even go back to where Jesus was born. Therefore, Matthew positions Jesus as a refugee even in the context of his own people. He is still having to find refuge in another place instead of his ancestral home. But the angel of the Lord, God's messenger, guides them. Guides them to a place where the young Jesus grows up and lives among the people of Nazareth. Grows in wisdom and grace daily. According to Matthew, Jesus might really have been a resettled refugee. But he and his family have found a new home among the people of Nazareth. Okay, that was a long time ago. What about now? Well, I have to get personal here. Because the story we hear today isn't unlike my family's story very much. Because in October of 1959, my grandfather came home from work and announced that his family was leaving Havana for Houston. When would they return? He couldn't say. But his Havana office of the British accounting firm Deloitte, Prender, Haskins, and Sells was closing, and he was strongly advised to get the heck out of Dodge and flee the country. So after going by a travel agency on his way home from work, he bought tickets on Pan Am from Havana to Miami and connected on to Houston. And my family left their homeland saying goodbye to grandparents and brothers and sisters and dozens of cousins, and they never went back. And they didn't even go to Miami, where a lot of Cuban people had already gone, but they went to Houston. A quite different place, much less cosmopolitan. But off to Texas they went. And while my family never went back to Cuba, my grandparents have now died, and today is actually my father's 70th birthday, 
while none of them went back, God guided them into a life where they were still able to grow in wisdom and grace and meet new people and provide for their family and fully incorporate into society. Was Houston home? To my grandparents, yes and no. To my dad, definitely yes. I say this because there are no more than two or three generations back, none of us are more than two or three generations back, that this story wasn't also the story of our ancestors. Maybe not all of us, but I'd say most of us. Moving to America was a scary proposition. It was dangerous at times. It was risky. But our ancestors were courageous, and we are probably all the better for their valor. We're better because they were seeking something greater in their lives for their family. And they gave our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents at least the potential the potential to have the ability to grow in wisdom and grace and to thrive in a new place, being ultimately guided by the love of God, one that takes us out of danger and helps direct us to places where we can ultimately thrive. Now, I want to say that I really don't want to get all political here, so I'm not going to, but I do want to highlight that the very Savior of the world was born one place, forced to flee to another place, one that was greatly despised by his people, and then guided to return home, but not exactly the home that his parents thought that they were going back to. He, as an infant, was completely at the mercy of his parents, who were ultimately seeking the greatest chance of safety and security for their child that they could offer. I'm guessing that many of the stories we hear about in the news, about refugees or people on the margin, are not really any different. They're not different from this biblical story at all. What's the solution? I'll leave that up for you to decide. But today we're hearing a strong message about how life's ups and downs take on twists and turns that honestly no one wants, but the reality of this world dictates that they do happen to us. And even when they do, the strong hand of God, the directing hand of God, is in the midst of all of it, rescuing us from the hands of our enemies and delivering us to new places where we have the potential to seek shelter and safety. And we have the ability to one day thrive. The gospel sets this up for us. Jesus came to this world even for the people the Israelites despised the most. So imagine how this message of God being given to humanity. Imagine how, what this means for us 2,000 years later living in a land that was entirely unknown to the ancient Near East in the first century. To the people in Jesus' time, we live in an absolutely unknown world. We're all descendants 
of people who fled their homelands for one reason or another, and our very existence right here, right now, is proof that divine love has somehow directed us and guided us all of our way to grow further in wisdom and grace and to allow ourselves ultimately to receive the love in Christ Jesus that can be given to us. Today, the story we hear is about the good news of Christmas finding us. We don't have to go to Bethlehem or see shepherds or go to the manger or the stable because God will go wherever God needs to go to take the message of Christmas to us. And so in 2016, in Phoenix, Arizona, the angel of the Lord has guided all of us to worship this very morning at Trinity Cathedral. To hear about a God who will go to any length to reveal himself to us. Even to an unknown land, or to an unknown people, or to a place we might never have gone ourselves. But the gift, the gift of God with us at Christmas, that gift finds us wherever we are, And wherever life takes us. And that's why we still celebrate Christmas today. Merry Christmas.